Welcome to another edition of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, Joe Stats, Matt. Joe Matt Stats. How do you want to say it, Joe? <laughs> uh, I'm good with whatever you throw out, man. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing week five for DFS. We had a great week last week. Really hammered... Uh, the low-tier plays, our optimal lineup, which unfortunately, of course, I didn't have, 225 points uh, with 49,200. I'm keeping up with that this year, so if anybody wants to see uh, just our picks throughout the year, hit us up on that. But uh, before we start real quickly, I want to remind everyone that we are available on the IB Sports Podcast Network. Uh, it is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. The IB Sports Podcast Network has a litany of podcasts. Uh, Joe and Alan had me on this week doing the recap of NFL Week 4. I've really enjoyed that podcast with them, even though we did have to spend time talking about my sorry-ass Falcons. Uh, Alan and uh, RCs, you got a Minute Fam podcast, which is all about the IB Sports Group. It's it's fantastic. Team Turnbuckle's got a new podcast up. Alan got up the uh, backdoor cover so there's plenty of reasons to subscribe to the, the IB Sports Podcast Network, and we'd really appreciate it if you do subscribe to rate, share, and review. So uh, for those that are listening to this for the first time, every week me and Joe give uh, sixth place at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Then we give you three flexes and three defenses, and we're not just giving you contrarian picks. We're going to give you um, a high tier, medium tier, and low tier. Uh, at each position, too, obviously, for the ones that we're doing six. And let's get right into it with the quarterbacks. And, Joe, I am shocked when I looked and saw Aaron Rodgers' numbers uh, through four weeks. Now, granted, he's 7,100. He is my top-tier quarterback this week. He's playing at Cincy. He's coming into this game to yet having to eclipse 300 yards in a game. In fact, 265 yards is the most yards he's passed for. (laughs) Uh, which is shocking, but he's still throwing touchdowns, uh, which is a a good thing. After his awful week one, he's still throwing eight touchdowns over his last three games. He's still averaging 23 points per game in those three starts, and he's facing a Bengals D that's only allowed 60 yards per game uh, to the leading rusher on the teams they faced, and the names of rushers that they faced are serious. They faced guys, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Najee Harris, and James Robinson. So that is a pretty impressive group of running backs. Uh, The Bengals' D is on paper good against the pass, and this is why you have to look a little bit deeper because the last three quarterbacks they faced are Justin Fields, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, And the (laughs) one good quarterback they faced in week one, Kirk Cousins, he torched them for 351 yards, was able to move the ball uh, basically at will. I just do not see Rodgers going five games without a 300-yard performance. I do think that Cincinnati is going to score enough to make them you know, be forced to throw. And again, Cincy is good against the run. So I don't see Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon just being able to run the ball like they have, honestly, in week two against Detroit and this past week. So this is kind of a hunch, but at 7,100, I just think he's due for a breakout game. And I love it when those guys that are really talented uh, are at a price like this. And then again, I think he's going to be faded. I don't think you're going to see him in a lot of lineups because people are going to see, A, the the fantasy ranking next to him, which is not great. And then they're going to look at, well, man, this guy didn't pass for 260 yards. It's Aaron Rodgers. He still looks great. I just think it's going to be the opportunity. This is going to be the week. I got Aaron Rodgers, my top-tier quarterback. I like it. I think this game is primed to be high scoring. So I I think that makes a lot of sense that this could be the breakthrough week for him. Uh, I mean, breakthrough week for Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Right. Just, it just sounds bizarre to say, but. And again, he's got eight touchdowns in the last three games. So it's not like he's playing bad averaging 23 points per game. He's had one bad game this year. The other ones he's, he's looked like Aaron Rodgers. Um, So my high tier is Kirk, no vaccine cousins at 6,500 <laughs> versus Detroit Lions because I must always pick on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Kirk has, it doesn't hurt. And Kirk Cousins liked to, to pick on the Detroit Lions. Last year, he threw three touchdowns in both games against Detroit. 
In one of those games, he threw 40 passes. In the other game, he threw 20 passes. So the point here is it doesn't take a lot for a guy to go off against Detroit. Uh, Cousins has looked good this year. Obviously, last week was a little rough against Cleveland, but overall, nine touchdowns to one pick. The first three weeks, he had multiple scores. Um, last year, Detroit, Football Outsiders, 32nd ranked pass defense. This year, they've been proved all the way up to number 30. They're giving up 9.8 yards per attempt, which is pretty hard to do. Um, PFF has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen ranked as their first and third biggest advantages among wide receivers against opposing DBs this week. So again, even if he only throws the ball 25 times, that's going to be enough to get you at least 200 yards and a couple of scores. And yeah, Detroit hangs around too, right? Yeah, I, Akuda was you know, again, you know, their top pick last year. He was supposed to be their top corner this year. He's already he got out for the year week one. So there's not a lot to stop anyone in this Detroit Lions backfield, defensive backfield. So if Detroit hangs around at all. That's even better because then if, if Cousins has 30-plus passes, he's he could be the top-scoring quarterback this entire week. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, I mean, again, we'll, we'll take anybody against Detroit at just about any time. Yes. Uh, it has been very fruitful for us. And, again, I, I do like that Cook is banged up. So I just – Right. Which and is I know they normally, have Madison, but they're going to – Yeah, throw. obviously monitor that because Madison, if he becomes the starter, I forget. He's not that high this week. I think because the assumption was Cook would be back. So obviously monitor that. But if Cook plays, I kind of don't like either running back then. Yep. And then to me, that the passing game becomes the play. Yeah, Cook's, uh, Cook was originally going to be one of my backs. And I just, again, for the price and the fact that he re-aggravated the injury right. last week, I'm staying away. Uh, Joe, your boy is my middle-tier guy. Danny Dimes. Do Daniel it. Jones, 6,000 at Dallas. I don't have to tell Joe this, but Danny Dimes is playing great football. He's averaging almost 25 points per game in fantasy. He has six touchdowns to just one INT, and he's turned into a consistent runner, which we saw last year. That's continued this year. He has at least 27 rushing yards in each game and 250 yards passing in each game. Uh, the Cowboys' offense is extremely explosive, and I think that means Jones is going to be flinging it in week five. There's a chance he gets back both Slayton and Shepard this week. But even if he doesn't, John Ross and Kadarius Toney, they proved last week that they have some potential and may even be more explosive uh, than the two uh, wide receivers that I mentioned in Slayton and Shepard. He also finally seems to be making a connection with your big free agent acquisition, Kenny Galladay. He has 10 receptions for 180, uh, 180 yards the last two weeks. And if that's not enough reason to like Jones, Saquon Barkley has not only kind of awoken uh, as just a running back in general, but he's really become a weapon as a receiver. He has 11 catches for 117 yards in his last two games. Uh, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City are three teams. I always want to target opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers, and it's something Joe talked about last week. Their secondaries are their weakness. They score a ton of points forcing teams to throw. And they tend to have big leads in games, leading to what we love is the potential garbage time points, which is uh, it's the dream, honestly. Um, I'm not picking a Dolphins quarterback, uh, and Josh Allen is really <laughs> expensive that week or this week. So that leads me to Daniel Jones, and I do between his running and just the way he's been throwing it in this situation, six thousand. I think he's really cheaply priced, and if Shepard. And Slayton are out. I love pairing him with Kadarius Tony. You could get a quarterback wide receiver who saw eight targets last week for just 10 grand. Yeah. Um, just a, an update on the Giants receivers. It, everything I've read says Slayton is extremely unlikely to go this week, but that uh, Shepard might have a chance if he's able to get into limited practice tomorrow. But like you said, I, I kind of think Slayton's on the outs here. I think Tony. Man, he uh, when he I told has you, the ball I liked in his him hand, coming out of college. I think he, I think that was a great pick. I was kind of a doubter, and I hated the uh, combo with him and Garrett. Garrett showed a little bit of life as a play caller last week. If that continues, then this offense could actually become pretty scary. And like you said, this is the, I I almost picked Dak Prescott as my high priced quarterback, and I'm going <laughs> to have a couple of Cowboys here as we go. I expect them to pour on a lot of points on my Giants. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of volume for Daniel Jones. 
Uh, my mid-tier, I mean, you know, we kind of already talked about this game a little bit, and uh, that's Joe Burrow, 6,100 versus Green Bay. He's thrown multiple scores in every game this year. Um, if you exclude the Bears game where he had the uh, bizarre sequence where he threw three picks on three consecutive passes, which is amazing, take that game out. His last six games, he's thrown one pick. So I think that's the fluke. He's probably not going to turn it over a bunch. He is going to get you multiple scores. He's completing 73% of his passes for 9.2 yards per attempt. That's extreme efficiency. And he's done that despite missing T. Higgins for the last two games. Who Higgins should be is back. Probably back. Everything's trending that way. If you put Higgins back, this, again, becomes one of the best wide receiving cores in the league, as we've seen, like Jamar Chase is ready to go. There was no mm-hmm. issues like we saw in the preseason. Boyd is still solid in the slot. And I just think this Packers team is going to be in a lot of trouble. They've given up 10 passing scores on the year. And Jair Alexander is going to be out. We don't know how long, which is kind of why I think he's still listed as questionable on a lot of things because people aren't sure how long he'll be out for. He's out. He's not playing this week. You take away the one of the two best corners in football, and I mean, we saw what happens when you target the, the secondary <laughs> guys on the Packers in last year's playoffs. Kevin King, uh, the rookie out of Georgia, I'm forgetting his name. Those guys are not stopping this passing attack, and they're going to have to pass. You're, this is not going to be a Joe Burrow throws 24 passes game. I uh, Burrow is such the real deal. Uh, forget all the stuff he does on the field. One of the things I love seeing was the fact that they they shared a video of him in the locker room after the game. He literally put up a finger, and the entire locker room just hushed. Silence, and yeah. when people are saying, you know, this guy's like Joe Montana, he he just he's a leader. Mm. He's you know he's Joe Cool. I I I just think the world of Joe Burrow, hundred percent cosign on that. Uh, I mean, what a what a pick for the Bengals. The Bengals seem to be turning around as an organization. So we share the low tier, and I honestly think that everybody should have this guy in at least one lineup this weekend. And it's Trey Lance, 5,700 at Arizona. It's really simple. If Jimmy G doesn't start, and it, it, it is appearing more and more likely that he will yeah. not, I just, I do. I think he's a must start. He scored 20 points last week in just the second half when Jimmy was injured. He ran for 41 yards, which is the main reason I think he's a must-start. He's going to run. I mean, he's going to run in this offense a lot. Uh, He showed the ability to throw with a 71-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel and still averaged 10 yards per completion on his other other eight pass completions. And, again, Shanahan is just probably foaming at the mouth right now, thinking of all the plays and the problems that he can, you know, create for defenses Arizona this week. With Lance at QB, he's at a cheap price at 5700 I love pairing him with Debo Samuel. I'll talk about in just a little bit as a stack. Seven of his 18 throws last week went to Debo. Remember what Jalen Hurts did last year and his first few starts. of the. Of, it was late in the season, but his first few starts at quarterback for Philadelphia. I expect every bit the similar production for Lance. Uh, and I actually think there's more upside because, again, Shanahan is such a great play caller that, I mean, there's a reason they traded up and drafted this kid, even though he only played one game his last year in college. So <laughs> yeah. tons of potential. I think he's going to run for sure. And Arizona's offense really good. So he's going to be forced to, you know, throw and do stuff. So I love Trey Lance at 5,700. And, obviously, you know, obviously there's some risk, as we've seen with every rookie quarterback this this year so far. But I do think it's important to remember, A, those other quarterbacks did not have Kyle Shanahan calling right. the plays for them. I mean, if you compare Kyle Shanahan to Matt Nagy, it's a, it's a pretty big gap. Yeah. And then uh, Shanahan mentioned after that game that, you know, uh, the offense made some big plays, but they were a little disjointed at times when he came in. But part of that was they had not game planned for him to be the quarterback. So you give Shanahan a whole week to scheme stuff up, you know, I don't expect them to like take off like a rocket here and put up 40 points and he's going to, you know, throw for 200 run for a hundred or something. But I think there's going to be enough there. There's going to still be those big plays. And I think this Cardinals team is one you, you want to attack in the run game. And mm-hmm. obviously if you, there's not a quarterback better designed to do that than Trey Lance. So if you're going to try to save some money, I like him. I told you beforehand, I tried to talk myself in the fields this week. I 
I couldn't quite do it. And I can't really, I don't feel good about any of the guys when you go below Lance. It's like last week when I didn't want to go below Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, this is kind of the lowest I could go. And I can see the upside of this play. Yeah, even my boy Matt Ryan, who's really put together three straight, really consistent games. He's cheap price, but now Calvin Ridley's not going to yeah, play. So, so I mean, there's just there's not there's not a good option. Since we share the top tier running back as well, why don't you go ahead? Since I, I started the conversation about uh, Lance there, um, I'm kind of glad you gave me this one because I ended up I wrote this whole thing out and I was like, it's gonna be funny if I don't use any of this because <laughs> Keith goes first. So this, this is a guy that I never root for. He will probably not be in my lineups for both because I just don't like this guy as a human being. And he plays for the Dallas Cowboys and they're playing my Giants. But if you are not me, you should put Ezekiel Elliott into your lineup. He's been getting better throughout the season thus far. His carries, yards, and yards per carry have improved every single week so far. I hope that doesn't continue because it means he's rushing for over 140 <laughs> yards this weekend, but I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Um, but there was a lot of talk about Elliott showing up in better shape in camp this year, and that definitely looks to be true. But I honestly think the most important thing for him is he has a QB now where they can't just load up the box like they were doing in the second half of last year against Andy Dalton. And the Cowboys have the best offensive line in football again. This is back to like being similar to the line. Jerry Jones and his son deserve so much credit. Uh, I, I remember just when they drafted Tyron Smith, I was like, please be stupid again. Please be stupid again. And that was, I think, right around the time where they started doing smart things, which I believe is when his son started to take more control. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is like the line that they had when they were rookies and they went 13 and three. Uh, don't forget that while Zeke's averaging 5.3 yards per carry, which is obviously very good, Tony Pollard's averaging 6.8. He's also a solid play at 5,600. I mean, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, they're healthy. They're playing like all pros. Per PFF, the other three starters are also all in the top 11 for run blocking grade at their position so far. This team yes. is just steamrolling people. Again, the Panthers were the number one or two, give or take the Bucks run defense going into last week they got demolished the giants sad to say my guys are probably not the biggest hurdle here 26th in dvoa against the run 28th in total yards allowed to running backs alvin kamara just ran for 120 on them take zeke elliott this week and prosper on my pain yeah and uh you know just kind of add that and i mean again it feels like a lifetime ago that people thought the sky was falling because zeke was finished week one you know after a bad performance against right, the guess, best against run the defense maybe in the league, <laughs> and a team that's just throwing you know they, they had to they had to throw uh and again the last two weeks elliot has outrushed tony pollard 37 carries to 21 Gained 238 yards to 127 and has three touchdowns to zero. He's also received three more targets out of the backfield, which is something we didn't think would be a chance. I mean, honestly. And again, talking about your Giants, week one, a Denver duo, uh, duo rushed 25 times for 146 yards. Last year, Kamara had 26 carries for 120. And in weeks two and three, neither the Falcons or, or Washington ran it a lot, but both their backs averaged 4.6 yards per carry in those games. Again, Elliott is a great play. I think if you think the Giants are going to get beat down, I think Pollard's a great play. But yeah. I actually think, again, I, I have some Giants. I think the Giants are going to score enough to where Dallas is going to have to keep their foot on the pedal. And unfortunately, that's going to mean for Joe, Elliott's going to have a really big game. Uh, yeah, I, but, think, I think we hang around and lose like 34-24 that's, or something. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Uh, my mid-tier, which I love this play, is Kareem Hunt, 5,800 at the Chargers. Uh, don't let the Bolts' performance against the run Monday night fool you. Yes, they look good, but they jumped on that Raiders team. They didn't really allow the Raiders' run game to get going. Jacobs was banged up coming into that game. In their first three games, teams were averaging, averaging 29 carries for 170 yards against this Chargers defense. The Browns know their best chance of beating this team is to run the ball and keep Herbert off the field, especially when we now know that Baker Mayfield, we loved it on this last week, actually has a slight tear in his shoulder, and that probably yeah. has a lot to do why he has plummeted in his performance. 
And it also had a lot to do with the script that the Browns ran in the second half last week where they basically just ran the ball and they got a really good defense. Uh, I do like Chubb this week as well, but he's $900 more. And despite Chubb getting 20-plus carries uh, the last two weeks, Hunt still has 24 carries for 150 yards and two scores in those two weeks. He's also received 11 targets in those two games, so he's getting plenty of production. And if the Browns get down, that only means more opportunities for Hunt because he is normally in the game when they're in passing situations. And then inside the 10, Hunt has seven carries to Chubb's 10. So it's not like they're just running it with Chubb when they get close to the goal line. So you're getting a guy for $900 less than his teammate who has outscored him on the season, is going to be more used if they're in a throwing situation, and he has 70% of the uh, rushing attempts inside, or gets 70% of the rushing attempts inside the 10 compared to, you know, to, to what you're paying for Chubb. You can sign me up. I really love both of these backs. But again, Hunt at 5,800 to me is just too good to pass up. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just, it's too close of a backfield right now to where you should be taking Chubb for 900 more. And yeah, that again, like I keep telling people, the, the whole defensive idea of that Chargers team is prevent big plays and you know it works that they beat the chiefs and part of that is they force turnovers in that game because they prevented big plays but that that leaves the run game to it'll be interesting this week though i think the browns are like okay that's how we want to play so we're gonna you know we're gonna try to do that and so i think the focus probably changes a little for the chargers but i also don't think their personnel matches up very well to stop Browns got a great offensive line maybe the second best in the league behind the cowboys i a hundred the run metrics would definitely agree with you i'll tell you that much like they're they can power through you um my middle tier is damian williams at 5600 against the las vegas raiders uh williams saw 10 touches for 70 yards in relief of david montgomery last week but the last time we saw him do extensive work was as kansas city's lead back back in 2019 he gained 711 yards, scored seven touchdowns on four and a half yards per carry and 30 receptions that season. And uh, if people don't remember, he arguably should have won Super Bowl MVP. He had 133 total yards, two touchdowns, and he did not throw two interceptions, all due respect to Patrick Mahomes. But the point here is Damian Williams is a more than capable backup on a team that wants to run the ball. They're not trying to have Justin Fields drop back and throw 30 passes especially if Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby are after him against that porous offensive line. And again, Williams is a capable guy at receiving the ball as well. So he's he's not dependent entirely on how that game plays out. Vegas is giving up 130 total yards, five receptions, and one and a half touchdowns to opposing backs. This is not a team that's built to shut down running backs. Uh, if you watch Monday night, Austin Eckler, while a better player and in a better offense, put up 32 and a half points. If Williams gives you half that, you're good at 5,600. And there's, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears' offense is able to stay on the field and convert some third downs and stuff. This could easily be a 20-plus point game for Damian Williams. Yeah, I, I almost had Williams in my plays. I think that if you were in a fantasy league, because he's 70% owned, uh, he should be 100% owned. Uh, regardless of how long Montgomery is out, he is a great play. And it just, again, we've, we've been reminded over and over again that you probably should handcuff your running backs because they're going to be more valuable to you than anybody else, especially if they're one of your top two backs chosen. So my low tier is another guy that he's going to be in a bunch of lineups this week. It's Leonard Fournette, 5,200 versus Miami. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that I have slept when we've talked about bad defensive, uh, you know, units on how bad Miami's run D is. Damian <laughs> Harris, who has 10 carries for 10 yards the last two weeks, he rushed for 100 yards against them week one. Devin Singletary, who he has been better this year, but is not somebody that you normally see a 13 for 82 yard stat line with a touchdown. He did that in week two. Peyton Barber, who I didn't even realize was on the Raiders, rushed for over 100 yards and a score on 23 carries uh, in week three. And then last week, Jonathan Taylor had 103 yards and a score on 16 carries. This is the same guy that had 171 yards combined 
through the first three games. Um, Fournette has out-carried Ronald Jones 45-18 to 18 on the season. So I know a lot of people thought this would be a timeshare. It's really not. Uh, he scored double-digit points in all the games except for the Rams game, which, let's be fair, that's a game where the Bucs were jumped on early. Brady was forced to throw. Uh, in the two games that the Bucs have not had to fear, their opponent's offense. And what I mean is it's not an offense mm-hmm. can really move the ball Fournette has 42 touches for 214 yards. The Dolphins are not an offense that the Bucs are going to fear. I think Fournette is extremely underpriced, and I believe Tampa is going to run it more in games until the return of Gronk because I, I really do think that Brady and this offense is almost unstoppable when you have Brown, Gronk, Evans, and Goblin in, but as we've now seen in two games where they have not had all four, the offense is not quite as good, particularly passing the ball. I just don't think they can get the same matchups. And we saw last week that meant they were going to rely a little bit more on Fournette. I think he gets at least 20 touches. I think he scores a touchdown. This run D is awful. And at 5,200, a guy that could score 20 points, I mean, I think he's a great play. Yeah, as much as uh, I agree with the boss normally on uh, Leonard Fournette and not believing in him, this week, it's hard to argue. It's a great matchup, and lo and behold, he has continued to look pretty good this season. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with it at all. It's a good play. Uh, for my low tier, I'm going super low this week, and that's uh, Samaji Pirine, 4,000 against Green Bay. You know, no, no offense to Green Bay fans. Like, I, I picked them to uh, win the Super Bowl this year. I just think when I got a guy with 4,000 down here, uh, only Derrick Henry has more touches this year than Joe Mixon. So even if Chris Evans, the other back on the Bengals, even if he steals 30 40% that much, P. Ryan's still in a super valuable spot at 4000 If he takes the vast majority of the work, he could easily be a guy – he could be like the main reason you win money this week. He's mm-hmm. in that kind of position. Um, and let's not forget – P. Ryan last year, week six, week 16, 136 yards, two touchdowns in a Bengals win over Houston. Averaged 4.8 yards per carry last season. He's solid. The Bengals offense is actually just legitimately good now. Mm-hmm. Um, even the line, at least in run blocking, they're ninth in football outsiders adjusted line yards. And Green Bay, who's 13th against running back so far this year on DraftKings, I don't think they're as good as they appear. Uh, per outsiders metrics, they're a bottom five team in short yardage situations and generally just terrible at penetrating the backfields and stopping people for losses. Um, opposing running backs are underperforming the underlying metrics by 0.67 yards per carry against Green Bay. That's the most in the NFL. The biggest difference between what outsiders projects yards per carry should be versus what it is. So Green Bay is due for someone to take advantage of this run defense. And I have to assume, especially, again, with Alexander out, their scheme this week has to be built around trying to take away the passing game. And that's just going to leave bigger holes for Pete Ryan. And, again, he's only 4,000. Like, unless you're playing the Thursday through Monday and you jumped on Alex Collins in the last <laughs> hour or so, he, Pete Ryan is the biggest value on the board. Yeah, I, I really like that play. I mean, the one concern I would have, obviously, is if the Packers are able to get right, a big if they take off. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think you made a great point that this Bengals offense is legit, uh, and that's going to mean that he's going to, as you said, look at Mixon. He's going to get a ton of opportunities uh, to you know kind of go out and do what he does. Um, moving on to the wide receivers. DJ Moore, 7,500 versus Philly. It is going to be so easy to fade Moore this week. He's got a tougher matchup. He's $900 more, but I am riding this train until his cost rises to where it should be because Moore is averaging almost 12 targets a game uh, in the last three weeks. He's caught eight balls in all three of those games. He scored at least 22 points in all of these games. And Philly's secondary is not like bad but in case you forgot last week Tyreek Hill against this same secondary had 11 catches for 186 (laughs) yards and three scores it went okay yeah and week two Debo Samuel had six catches for 93 yards 
And even in two blowout games, the first they won versus the Falcons, where the Falcons offense looked miserable, Ridley still had uh, caught five of his eight targets for 50 yards. And a game that Dallas only threw 21 times, Lamb and Cooper caught six of their seven targets for 92 yards. So I think that you can throw on this Philly team. There's just been some scripts that have kind of turned against it. The Panthers are going to be forced to throw more uh, because McCaffrey's still out. Or at least he may come back. I think it would be a huge mistake. I don't think he's going to play this week. But uh, if he's not, they're going to be forced to throw more. Uh, Moore is averaging over 30% of Darnold's pass attempts the last three weeks. And Moore is the most consistent receiver in the league right now. Guys like Hopkins, McLaurin, Diggs, Williams, Samuel, and Adams all average less points per game. And all of them. And you can throw in Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill with these have had games in the in the first four weeks where they've scored 15 points or less. Uh, most have had multiple games where they've scored uh, less than 15 points. Moore's lowest game was week one at 15.9 points. And the connection with him and Darnold just seems to be improving. And let's be honest, Darnold is not going to continue to score all these rushing touchdowns. And with McCaffrey <laughs> no. out, they're going to have to start throwing it more. And if a guy's receiving over 30% of his pass attempts, he's probably going to have the best uh, opportunity to catch more touchdowns. So, again, until DraftKings increases his price, which right now they have him below a lot of guys that he averages more points in. Uh, They have guys right beneath him that he averages more points with. I'm going to pencil him in every week. Yeah. I I, I love DJ Moore. Uh, I always have. He's on a lot of my fantasy teams. Um, my, my top tier guy is also worth 7500 and he's playing in the Sunday night game. So if you're doing just a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon games, I 100% co-sign putting DJ Moore instead of my top tier guy, which is Stephon Diggs at 7500 against Kansas City. Um, he's hasn't really had his explosive game yet. You know, he's had, has had a 20-point game, but in general, it's been in the teens. But still, his lowest is 12.2. He's seen at least eight targets. In the other three games, he was in double digits. So it's not like he's, it's not like Josh Allen forgot he had Stephon Diggs. In fact, Diggs only trails Tyreek Hill in air yards this season, which is one of the big signs that a guy is about to go off. And there's not going to be a better week for it. Kansas City's 27th against receivers on DraftKings. They're 30th in yards allowed to number one receivers. PFF gives him the fifth biggest matchup advantage among receivers this week. And again, the over-under on this game is 56 and a half. Barring like a sleet storm or something, this game is going to have a ton of points. And when you look at the value, because like if you compare Diggs to Tyreek Hill, and again, Diggs is going up against a weaker defense. So I actually just straight up, I would take Diggs over Tyree Kill this week. That's how highly I think of Diggs in yeah. this matchup. He's he, unfortunately Ridley's out this week, but Ridley and Diggs are so overdue for just a bust out game. Yes, it's insane. Uh, and Buffalo, particularly, I think you look there. They've steamrolled teams since that really crappy week one performance. I think that's <laughs> yeah. hurt Diggs, honestly, because, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, they've just been able to kind of move the ball. Well, they've been running the ball a ton. And, um, again, Kansas City's defense is really bad. I mean, they're they're really bad. So I, I totally co-sign. For my uh, middle-tier play, it's actually really two low-tier plays, but T. Higgins is five grand versus Green Bay. I would substitute Boyd in a heartbeat if Higgins does not play Sunday at 5,300. But if yeah. Higgins does go, he's 5000 He's a great value versus Green Bay. Uh, as I said above, I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay scores in this game and scores a lot, meaning Cincy will be forced to pass more. Uh, it looks like Mixon's not playing as Joe Mitch with his perine play. Uh, and again, this is just going to lead to more throws for Burrow and opportunities for his receivers. Higgins has scored in both games he's played in this season. He scored at least 15 points in both. He had three red zone targets in his two games. He seems to be, when they get close, Burrow's favorite target. That was the same case last year uh, before Burrow's injury. And um, I just, you know, Burrow has not surpassed 30 throws or uh, throwing for 
260 or more yards in his first three games, which he's another one that's kind of yeah. shocking, but he hasn't really had to. I think that's going to change. Uh, Burrow threw it 17 times in the second half when they started down two scores uh, this past week. He had 253 yards, uh, and the team scored 24 points. I think that is a snapshot of what this offense can do if they get in that situation. And I think this Green Bay game is going to be the first one where they're kind of forced to play the way they did in the second half of the Jacksonville game, where they're going to have to throw, and they're going to have to move the ball and match points. Um, and I just – I do. I think this game is going to be a shootout. Uh, you're getting Burrow's number one targeted receiver – the first two games in Higgins, all of last year he was the number one targeted receiver, even with Chase and the success Boyd said earlier this year. I still think that's the case, and he's underpriced. He's at $5,000. So if Higgins plays, I'm going to have him in the lineups. If he doesn't, I have no problem substitute Tyler Boyd. Yeah, and uh, j- just to throw this out here real quick, because my next guy is also a, a, a Bengals dude. The uh, Packers – slot corner right now is uh slated to be Chandon Sullivan and his PFF grade is a 44.5. That's a 103rd out of 108 corners that they've ranked this year. That's not good. So so yeah, if T Higgins <laughs> is out, all in on Tyler Boyd. Uh regardless and even more all in on my guy which is Jamar Chase for my mid-tier at 5800 versus Green Bay. Um at least 13.5 Four points every week. He's averaging over six targets a week. And again, that's with the low passing volume. And uh, likely to no one's surprise, he's in the top 20 in air yards on the season. If, if you've noticed, he seems to be catching like a 30 or 40 yard touchdown every week. Um, Green Bay is fifth against opposing wide receivers on DraftKings. But uh, alert listeners may have uh, noticed that you listed who Green Bay has played recently. When you talked about Aaron Rodgers' lack of attempts, uh, when you play Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville in three straight weeks, your passing defense is going to look better than it is. Uh, Football Outsiders, which adjusts for the level of opposition, says Green Bay is the 20th ranked pass defense right now, and that was with Jair Alexander. Uh, at this point, their highest ranked corner that the slated to play is rookie Eric Stokes, and he's the 77th ranked corner this season. So if you're throwing a bunch of guys who are bottom third of the league at Jamar Chase, I'm feeling pretty good. He, uh, would you say it's fair to say that if you're looking for a boom play of the Bengals receivers, he's the one to go through. If you're looking at your lineup and you're going, okay, I just need, you know, to make sure I get, say, 10 to 20 points, that's where you'd lean more toward Border Higgins. Yeah, I think that probably especially – I think that they're probably like each in their own group where Boyd is very much that like, oh, he's going to get me points, but he's not going to score 30. And then Higgins is probably like the in-between where there's more upside, but there's a lower floor. And, I mean, Chase hasn't had a low floor so far this year, but obviously at some point it'll probably He's just doing happen. so much with not yeah. a lot of targets, which I, is really yeah. impressive. I just don't know. We'll see. Hopefully if it ends up flinging it more, we'll finally see more throws to him. But, I mean, it, it's really kind of crazy the numbers he's put up when I don't think he's had more than seven targets in a game. Right. So, they're, yeah, they're obviously part of that is he's just converted on a lot of these deep passes. And that won't extend forever. But the reason or why will. we like <laughs> – We assume it won't. But, again, the reason why we like so many guys in the Bengals this week, and especially in the passing game, is because we expect there to be more volume this week. Yeah. If they were playing the Bears again – or, right. let's, or the Steelers, again, be a little lower on these guys. But against a defense that I don't think is very good against the pass and an offense that's going to put points on them, this is the week to target the Bengals. All right, so in a similar situation, my low tier is Chenault Jr., 4,800 versus Tennessee. For those that did not hear my stat last week, uh, the Titans have already allowed 12 receivers to have a reception of 20 yards or more this season. Uh, I believe it's now up to 11 plays, uh, passing plays of 30 yards or more. Uh, It's just a dreadful, dreadful secondary. (laughs) Chenault was a decent PPR fantasy option uh, this season, and that was before the season-ending injury to Shark early in their Week 4 matchup. He had seen 21 targets in three games 
He saw seven more targets in week four, but only two in the second half, where Lawrence only threw the ball seven times as the Jags tried to run out their clock with their two-touchdown lead at the half. But without Sharp, Chenault saw four more targets than any other Jaguar wide receiver, uh, led the team in receptions and yards at six for 99. He's going to see an uptick in targets uh, the rest of the way. He's probably going to be the Jaguars' uh, leader in receptions and targets moving forward. Uh, Jones Jr. is more of a big play down the field target, who I absolutely, again, is kind of the boomer bust thing. What are you looking for? Uh, Jones's ceiling in this game, like look what Corey Davis did last week, and Jones is that kind of receiver. Jones could have five receptions for 150 yards and two touchdowns, without a doubt. Jones, though, is also the kind of guy like last week where he could have two receptions, 30 yards. He's always been that guy. I don't think Chenault – I mean, I would be shocked if Chenault doesn't score at least 12 points this week. Like, I think that's his floor. And, again, he's 4,800. Uh, and, again – okay, I did write down it. Awesome. So, the secondary, yeah, it's one of the worst in the They have 12 receivers have already had reception of 20 yards or more against them. I mean, they're just a defense waiting for a big play to happen. So, whether it be Jones Jr. or Chenault, you have to play. I feel like you have to play a Jaguar receiver because they're both so cheap and the potential for either one of them is so high uh, against this horrible Tennessee secondary. And again, Jaguars defense is awful. So whether Jones and Browns play, I expect Henry to run wild, which means they're going to be forced to continue to throw. Uh, I really like Chenault Jr. at 4,800. He's going to be in most of my lineups. Well, we're uh, we're very much aligned on our thinking here because my lower tier is Marvin Jones Jr. at 5,700 against Tennessee. Uh, last week, you like you mentioned, last week was kind of the off week for him where he didn't see a lot of targets, didn't score much. But now that Chark's out, I'm assuming the first three weeks where he saw at least eight targets and scored at least 12.2 points probably becomes more of the norm. And, I mean... You've already listed uh, plenty of stuff about how awful the Titans are. I won't belabor the point too much. I'll just throw out no one's given up more receiving yards to wide receivers or touchdowns. And they're fifth to last in yards per target. And they proved last week, right, Joe? And something important to remember is they proved last week that it doesn't matter who's playing them because you right, could have like, said the they had tough. Correct. Like you could have said the first couple of weeks, well, they had some really tough matchups because they did. But then Zach Wilson and the Jets receiving core all of a sudden looked like, you know, one of the best offenses in the league, which, again, this is a guy that threw five interceptions. He had more interceptions than completions against the Pats. So this is now like this is matchup proof. The Titans are horrible against pass. Yeah. So th- this really is a defense where every week, assuming there's a receiver you were remotely like, think about throwing them in some lineups because the Titans would love to give up those yards. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the tight ends, uh, Mike Gusecki, 4,200 at Tampa Bay. Uh, through one game and one quarter in the second game with two at quarterback, he had seen three targets for zero receptions. For the 11 quarters with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, Gusecki has seen 24 targets for 18 receptions, 184 yards, and a touchdown. He's averaged 14.4 points per game in those three games. Really, it's just 11 quarters because he didn't have anything in the first quarter of that that uh, second game. And now he faces a Tampa Bay team that has given up to tight ends 27 receptions for 232 yards in four games. And they're coming off a game where they gave up a touchdown to both New England tight ends who have been probably two of the more disappointing uh, players yeah. for people in season-long leagues who were like, do I take Janu Smith? Do I take Hunter Henry? Apparently, at least if the first four weeks are an indication, you should have taken neither of them. But uh, <laughs> I think Gasecki is literally the only Dolphin I trust in week five uh, in this matchup. I imagine they're going to be down most of the game meaning extra opportunities for a guy who right now through three games is receiving roughly 20% of the passes that Jacoby Brissett throws. And I will say Tampa Bay does have some linebackers that should be able to cover him a little bit better 
than obviously some of the first matchups they've had. But again, if I'm getting a tight end at 4,200, who is basically one out of every five throws that Jacoby Brissett goes to him, I still like my chances a lot at that yeah. price. I love Gusecki, 4,200 at Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I very much like that pick as well. The only thing I'll add is a little bit of trivia, and that's that, uh, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Who's the uh, quarterback tight end on the Saints? Why can't I think of his name? Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill has more plays this year as an inline tight end than Mike Gusecki does. Wow. Like, Gusecki is really just a wide receiver, a big wide receiver right now. So, hey, take advantage of people right, like yeah. not updating him to wide receiver because he's a good value at tight end every week right now. Um, this might sound crazy considering he's only $100 less than George Kittle, but I'm going to be a broken record and just pick TJ Hawkinson again. Um, he's 5,500 against the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, last two weeks have been a little bit disappointing. After, especially after he did t- two back-to-back 20-point games to start off the year. Um, I do not think the Vikings are as good of a defense as Baltimore or Chicago, though. And keep in mind that even last week, Hawkinson saw eight targets. Part of the problem was that the team just kept finding ways to turn over the ball in the red zone. So that's going to limit your ability to score touchdowns. But I like this matchup because, again, I think – whether it's Cousins or it's Cook or it's Madison, the Vikings are putting up points. Jared Goff's going to throw a lot of passes in this game. And the Vikings have the league's fourth worst secondary in explosive pass play rate allowed to opposing tight ends. So this is a great opportunity for him. I will also throw out, as you mentioned, Calvin Ridley's out. Don't ignore Kyle Pitts. Yep. Because the Jets have done all right against tight ends so far this year. But I don't think they face a lot of teams where now Kyle Pitts is the number one target in that offense. So also, don't sleep on him. While, while we're there, Cordell Patterson would have absolutely been my mid-tier flex option if I would have known before, you know, just a few hours before we recorded the podcast that yes, uh, Ridley's going to miss. He's averaging seven and a half targets per game in the last three weeks. If you don't think with Calvin Ridley out, that's going to increase – against the Jets defense that has struggled. Um, I love Cordell. And he's really, again, not overpriced. He's 5900 for what he's put up. That is not outrageous. And uh, my- I'll just I'll just add to that real yeah. quick. The uh, Jets have allowed the second most receiving yards to opposing running backs. And Mike Davis is not a bad play either. Uh, yeah. Hunter Henry, 3700 at Houston's my mid-tier. He's been a a pretty big disappointment overall this year, but he's coming off his best game. He scored a touchdown last week. He's progressively increased his points total each week this season, and they're facing a Houston defense that despite playing four teams in Jacksonville, Cleveland, Carolina, and Buffalo, whose tight ends, with maybe the exception of Knox, but when we were drafting was definitely not uh, a tight end. People were probably drafting as a tight end one. They don't have a tight end one on any of those teams. And they have given up 20-plus points to tight ends in three of their four games. Uh, They average giving up six receptions for 67 yards and just under a touchdown per game to tight ends. I do worry about the Pats running the ball a lot in this game. I actually could see this being the Damian Harris gets right game. But when Jacksonville has two tight ends score double figures versus your defense, and this was before the Dan Arnold trade, Sign me up, especially at that price, 3700 Hunter Henry's my mid-tier tight end. Yeah, if, if, if the Jags are doing it then uh, <laughs> with their tight ends, then anyone could do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just leaning into the masochism here. Dalton Schultz is my mid-tier guy against my New York Giants. Him and Dawson Knox are on fire. Yeah, Dawson Knox was very close to being my mid-tier guy this week. Especially, again, they're going to have to pass because it's Kansas City. But uh, Schultz, you know, I think the main worry with him this year was just how much he'd be splitting snaps with Blake Jarwin. He played 79% of the snaps last week, Schultz did. And also, as long as Gallup's out, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of double tight end with this team. Um, He's hit double digits, or not double digits, he's hit double digits in points three out of the four weeks this year, which... Not a lot of tight ends can say that. Again, even TJ Hawkinson can't say that. 
or George Travis Kittle. Kelsey proved Travis Kelsey's yeah. long, he's missed one week where he didn't get double digits. So again, he's been solid. Um, with the lack of attempts that Dax had, the fact that Dalton Schultz has 23 targets is really impressive. Um, off the top of my head, I think that's pretty close to what the wide receivers have right now in Dallas. And again, I do not trust my New York Giants to stop opposing tight ends, nor does Pro Football Focus, which rates Dalton Schultz as having the number one advantage against the likely defenders this week. So that's super encouraging for my Giants, who are giving up a very solid 65 yards per game, two tight ends. Do not trust us to stop Dalton Schultz. Don't trust us to really stop anyone on this Dallas team, but... I think those wide receivers, when you get into those higher prices and how inconsistent the targets have been for them, Schultz, Schultz is my favorite play in the passing game for the Dallas Cowboys this week. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's been incredible. I got. I got to say, uh, my low tier is Cameron Bray, thirty-three hundred versus Miami. Uh, he saw six targets in Week Three in Gronk's absence, or excuse me, Week Four in Gronk's absence. O.J. Howard only saw one, which I know is a lot of people's concerns. That's why I didn't have Bray in any lineup for my, you know, single games uh, for that Monday nighter or Sunday nighter. Uh, he's seen three red zone targets this season and only has 12 targets on the year. So that is a good sign for a guy that's going to be getting, obviously, an uptick in targets in this game. Um, two of his six targets last week were in the red zone. So, again, uh, there's a good chance right, he's going to score – yeah, he's gonna. He's probably gonna score a touchdown against this Miami defense that last week gave up two touchdowns to Mo Ali Cox. Uh, so if Gronk does this miss this week, he's doubtful. Right at thirty-three hundred is a guy that probably has a great chance to score a touchdown. And again, OJ Howard is not the threat that we thought he would be with Gronk out. Uh, I really do like Bright. Grady loves to throw tight ends in the red zone. Yeah, as long as Gronk is out, like yeah, Brady's not going to stop throwing to the tight end. So, Cameron Brait. Um, my low tier is Tyler Conklin at 3,500 against the Detroit Lions. Again, I ex- expect the Detroit Lions to have a lot of trouble stopping, well, anyone on the Vikings, <laughs> but especially in the passing game. And, you know, Thielen and Diggs, I like both of them, but they're expensive And there's always the chance that Cousins only throws 25 passes in this game. So I like being able to use Tyler Conklin at only 3,500. He's only had one big game this year. The others, he's been in single digits. But he's seen at least four targets every single week. That's important. You know he's going to see some targets. And the one game he went off, I mean, seven for 70 yards and a touchdown. If you get 20 points from a guy who costs 3,500, you're feeling good. And the Lions, not surprisingly, terrible against tight ends. Bottom five defense in yards per attempt and explosive pass play rate allowed to opposing tight ends. So don't be surprised if Tyler Conklin gives you at you know, 15, 16 points here at 3,500. Like you compare him and Cousins, that's only $10,000. You got 40000 left for the rest of your lineup. Yeah, with the success of a lot of these uh, cheap tight ends this year, I'm really starting to love the take a quarterback you really like, match him with one of those tight ends, like say a Dak and Schultz or, you know, a Cousins and Conklin. And you really load up at wide receiver, especially again with the running backs being so cheap to where I mean you could have three, seven thousand wide receivers and it'd be actually an easy play. And uh, I do a real quick yeah, want to throw out I I didn't pick this player because the Saints have been good against tight ends. And so I don't want to just be like fully endorse it. But you really want to save some money. Ricky Seals Jones is only 2,500. And with Logan Thomas out, he ran 16 of the 21 passing snaps last year. So last week. So that's over 80% of the passing plays he was running around for Washington. So the fact that he's going to have opportunity at only 2,500, like if you want to go really cheap, it's risky because again, Saints have been good against tight ends. There's opportunity there though. All right, we're going to do a speed around here because we're getting short on time for the flex and defense. Uh, Debo Samuel's my top-tier flex, 7,100 at Arizona. I'm officially finally on the Debo Samuel train. Forget the fact that he's averaging over 10 targets per game, has scored 16 or more points in three or four games, and 35 or more in uh, two of the last three. More encouraging was the fact that Samuel, again, was targeted on seven of uh, Lance's 18 pass attempts. 
Both of Lance's touchdown passes went to Samuel, including a 76-yard touchdown pass. A pass. Lance should open up more big pass play opportunities with the ability to run. We saw that in the first his first half of work last Sunday when he again hooked up on a 75-yard touchdown to Debo. Uh, again, he is a hundred percent now. I'm all on board. He's getting all the targets. He is the guy. Uh, RIP to Brandon Ayuk. Hopefully, we'll still end up being good this year. But I mean, Debo is the number one receiver in a very good offense. You always want to be the number one receiver in a Shanahan offense. Uh, Adam Thielen's my mid-tier at 6,600 versus Detroit. This is just, he's way too low uh, in a really good matchup versus a terrible Detroit defense. <laughs> he's averaging 8.5 targets per game. He's had at least seven in every game. Last week was the first game that Thielen did not score a touchdown, and that was in a game that had a combined 21 points, and the Vikings only scored on the first drive. For a guy averaging 17.7 points per game and has caught almost half a Cousins touchdowns on the year, and again, at 6,600, I can't pass him up. I do really like Jefferson as all as well, but much like with Kareem Hunt, I mean, he's $1,100 cheaper and is only averaging three points less than Jefferson per game on the season. So he's my mid-tier. And then my favorite play overall, he's going to be in basically every lineup. Oh, I love it. It's why I'm doing Thursday to Monday uh, more than normal. Jamison Crowder, 4,900 at Atlanta in London. Uh I mean, it just – in his first game of the season last week, he saw nine targets. He had seven receptions. He caught a touchdown pass. He got four red zone targets in one game with Zach Wilson. That is already, like, in the top 20 in the league for receivers and red zone targets. He got that in one game. Grand the Jets have not been in the red zone a lot this season, so in fairness. But Corey Davis has not seen a red zone target yet this year. Uh, the Falcons' secondary is awful. It's really bad. I mean, our defense is awful. I'd be shocked if Crowder doesn't score 20-plus points this week. Absolutely shocked. I do like Corey Davis this week, but he will depend on big plays. Uh, and as bad as the Falcons have been, they've only given up four passing plays of 25 yards or more. And guys like Devontae Smith and Colin Johnson have scored double did, uh, uh, figures against the Falcons yeah. without a reception of 15 yards or more. Crowder is going to have at least 70 receptions or seven receptions. He's going to have at least seven yards. I think he's going to have a touchdown. He will nickel and dime this defense to death. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, my Giants were frustrated. We had to march down the field <laughs> every time. And I want to throw out real quick for flex is just uh, Keenan Allen. I don't know if this will be the week, but dude's targets remain insane. Yep. He has 44 targets on the year. He's going to have the blow-up game that Mike Williams has been stealing. And then Austin Eckler was the guy last week. So maybe it's his turn. Don't be afraid to go with him. Defenses. I mean, if you really want to spend it, 4900 4700 go for it with the Patriots and Bucks. I like the Denver Broncos, though, as my high-priced one because 4200 really is like as high as I ever want to go for a defense. <laughs> and again, Ben Roethlisberger sucks. Denver's defense is good. Don't question it. Middle tier, uh, there's actually a lot of middle tier defenses I thought about. Uh, Saints versus Washington. Uh, the Raiders versus Chicago. Even San, even Arizona against San Francisco. Ultimately, though, I'm like the Vikings, 3,000 against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Vikings have had multiple sacks every week. Uh, last two weeks, they've held the Seahawks and Browns under 20 points. That tells me I feel like Mike Zimmer's starting to build a competent defense here. The main problem they've had is they didn't force turnovers the last two weeks. The Detroit Lions seem to just find bizarre ways to force turnovers on themselves. Again, as I mentioned in the uh, recap pod on Monday, they had a play where it's the snap went off of Goff's shoulder and was caught by a defensive lineman. Don't be surprised if... The Lions find a way to give the Vikings the ball a couple times. I like them. And then all the way down, my low tier, probably the biggest disappointment of any defense in the league so far this year, Washington football team. But here's why I like them. Their EPA per down, so that's points. Shoot, I'm blanking what EPA stands for exactly. But it's basically just how good you are on a down. They're seventh best, the seventh best defense on first down. They're the 19th best defense on second down. Those downs tend to be more predictive. Third downs are a little wild because teams are, you know, just by desperation, sometimes you have to pass. Washington's dead last in defense on third down per, on EPA per play. 
Part of that is their secondary is sketchy as hell. I'm not going to deny it. But my expectation is over the course of the year, Washington probably gets more towards that 19th ranked defense that they are on second down, which means they should improve. And as much as we've been shitting on their defensive line for not getting it done, they're 10th in pressure rate. They're just not quite getting those sacks. Saints are 23rd in adjusted sack rate allowed on offense. This is a good opportunity for them to get after Jameis Winston, get some sacks. And again, if you pressure Jameis, we've seen what can happen. And there's also always the chance that they're going to let Taysom Hill throw a pass. And as my Giants did last week, that's a great time to get an interception. So if you want to save a ton of money, I think Washington all the way down at 2300 is not a bad investment. All right, bonus one, Jets versus Falcons. Falcons suck. Won't have Calvin Ridley. <laughs> uh, good luck with your picks this week. We hope you guys rock it. Please let us know. Uh, if you have any big winners using our lineups, we appreciate hearing the feedback. And for Keith and Joe, this has been the week five preview of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network.